Nomad Podcast. Hi, and welcome to Nomad Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Tierney. Psychologist Abraham Maslow proposed a framework for understanding human needs in the form of a pyramid structure. At the base of that pyramid are the most fundamental raw materials like water, breathing, sleeping, uh, basal needs. But just one layer above that is a set of needs related to safety. Today we're meeting with Joey Karam, one of the world's most highly trained Krav Maga instructors. Joey is going to be talking to us about personal safety while on the road and things that we can do to avoid conflict in the first place and what we need to know when our safety is threatened and conflict becomes unavoidable. So we'll learn the difference between social and asocial violence, uh, the different kinds of freezes that one can go through and uh, things that paralyze us in the most inopportune moment and how to break out of those and much, much more. Joey runs a Krav Maga school in Newport Beach, California. That's where I met him. Uh, I had the good fortune to train directly under Joey and Joey has trained directly under the highest ranked living Krav Maga instructor in the world, Ayal Yanilov. Um, so Joey has taught special forces, police, SWAT personnel. Uh, he's an incredible teacher. Having trained with him, I can tell you he's basically the real deal. He is Jason Bourne in real life. So I'm very excited without further ado, here now is my conversation with Joey Carroll. Nomad Podcast is supported in part by Nomad Prep, an online academy that teaches you everything you need to know to take your job on the road and crush it abroad. Enroll today at nomadprep.com slash podcast and get your first four days of training completely free. Nomad Prep, take your job on the road and take on the world. All right, Joey Karam, welcome to the Nomad Podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. <laughs> right on. Um, okay, so let me set this up. So, Joey, you are an expert level one Krav Maga instructor. You've uh, trained a number of the other instructors out there. I think all the ones in the Americas, or a lot of the ones in Americas, right? Yeah, I've trained with them, or I've actually traveled to Argentina and some different countries to train Krav Maga instructors as well. Well, I know I'm wearing the shirt here. I don't know if you can see the the Mexico. Yep. You had certified the guy that I took from in Mexico City, I believe. So nice. Yeah, uh, he was cool. Yeah. So. Uh, very accomplished Krav Maga instructor. What is, for those people that are listening who are not familiar with Krav, what is Krav Maga? It's magic. <laughs> just pure it's pretty magic. Much it. <laughs> it's just pure <laughs> magic. No, it's just a reality-based combat uh, fighting system. So basically, we teach people how to uh, defend themselves in a combat situation. Combat meaning a fight or a self-defense situation. We have no game. There's no um, rings. There's no uh, competition. It's purely... Uh, reality-based practical type of self-defense yep and why do you think this is important for people to take it the in the context here is that i took uh, some krav maga from you at your school in newport beach that's how i first got introduced to it and i was immediately infatuated like to me this is the most sensible practical thing that one can do to improve their uh, you know security posture in terms of personal safety so why is this important in your opinion why is this important you know, it's, uh, it's, there's a lot of answers to this question, but recently I've been kind of going towards the answer of it builds confidence and confidence instills like a posture and an energy that people don't normally have. And so by learning Krav or learning this type of a fighting system, you stand taller, you, you have this energy that you project that's a little bit different, a little bit more of a confidence-based energy, and that repels people from attacking you. 
Um, so that's why, in my opinion, it's really important to learn this stuff so you don't get attacked. Not so when you get attacked, you can do something. It's so that you don't get attacked. Um, and then it trickles down into different areas of your life. The more confident you are, the better your business grows, the better you um, feel, the more you know, sexy your body is, the better relationships get. So realistically, this type of training just helps you in all the areas of your life. So you bring up a really important thing that I wanted to touch on, and I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, there is some stat, and maybe you can remember it, but it has to do with something like women that had taken self-defense were like 70% less likely to get attacked in the first place, let alone know how to handle themselves in the situation where it happened. Um, yeah. Remember? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, the exact numbers are not in my head right now. I have, I wrote a, a blog about this and did a podcast about it. So I think I can, I can pull it up for you, but basically it's this, they, they uh, took a study of a hundred women in college and then it took a, that's their um, control group. And then it took another, oops, sorry. They took another control group of women in the college too. So a hundred and a hundred. Uh, the second group, they trained for 30 classes. I don't know if that means 30 days or just 30 classes in general. They didn't really get too specific, but it's 30 classes. Then at the end of the four years of their uh, college, they interviewed the both groups, the same exact questions. And the questions were from as basic as, were you verbally assaulted? Were you touched uh, unwillingly? You know, like you didn't want it to happen. Uh, were you sexually assaulted? Um, and then the last one was, the worst one was like, were you raped? And then they asked the same four questions to both control groups. The control group one, the girls that did not train, their stats were, you know, 30%, 20%, 10%, 5% in all the categories. So 30% they're, you know, verbally assaulted all the way down to 10% or 5% that they, they actually experienced some sort of a rape situation in their college. And then the group that trained self-defense was less than 50% of their answers. So instead of 30%, it was probably 10% were verbally assaulted all the way down to 0% were potentially raped. So what that tells us is that just by learning self-defense, they didn't even get into these situations. It's not that they had to fight their way out of them necessarily, which some of them might have done, but they weren't even in the situations just from the fact of learning. So that's a big case study right there. Yeah, and it goes, what, what you call, uh, or one of the things I took from your course was that what you call the wolf mindset. And mm -hmm. it, I think it's this concept of, you know, prey and predator. When you look like prey, you're going to attract predators, but predators don't mess with other predators. So if you carry yourself differently, not saying that you need to be a predator, but you know, if you carry yourself more confidently, you're less likely to attract the predator. Yeah. So it's kind of like what I was saying earlier. If you have confidence, if you know that you can take someone out that comes in and attacks you, if you know that you're strong, you know how to punch, you know how to hurt somebody, then you're going to walk around differently. And maybe less shoulder strong. Maybe you'll be a little bit taller. Maybe your eyes will be a little more brighter. Maybe you're going to make eye contact more often with people rather than looking down at the ground every time you walk by them. So by establishing yourself, yourself as a confident, strong person automatically will deteriorate the willingness of an attacker. Here's the deal. Attackers are smart. They're not dumb. I mean, we want to think they're dumb, but the dumb ones are in jail. <laughs> so the smart ones are still out there. Because they're smart and they attack the right people. They're attacking the people they don't think can actually defend themselves. They're attacking the people that won't make a fuss, that might not even fight back or scream. That's who they're attacking. Who's the easy target? Not who's the hard target. Who's going to fight back? Who's aware of me right now? Who's going to scream? Who's going to punch me? They're not attacking those people. Otherwise, they'd be in jail. And most of them are in, are in jail. Now, obviously, there's still a handful of dumbass attackers out there. Sorry about the cursing. I'm not sure if this is a censor. Yeah, yeah. No, it's... Shit. Game on. Perfect. All right, great. So there's, um, there's a group of people that you're going to run into that are just dumb people that will 
fight you for no reason. But the majority of the attacks we're actually scared about, the, the kidnappings, the rapes, the murders, those are usually done by people that actually might have a little bit of an idea how to be a predator. So we have to make sure we can fight off that person. That's kind of like the worst case scenario. Yeah, awesome. Um, all right. Well, so the whole reason that I asked you to be on the show, because typically this is, uh, you know, this is a conversation with nomads and it's very centric on the, the nomadic lifestyle stuff. And what I found uh, is that, you know, in that sphere, people talk a lot about like travel hacks and packing recommendations and all these other things, but rarely do we ever discuss the, the topic of self-defense and personal safety. Um, I think depending on where you go in the nomading, you know, in the, in your role as a digital nomad, you could wander into some pretty dicey mm -hmm. places. Yeah. So my question to you is the average person who can't get to a Krav Maga school three times a week and actually train in this stuff, what kind of stuff can they do to better, you know, prepare themselves or better not get in those situations. And then when they're in those situations, be better prepared to defend themselves. Yeah, it's a good question because, you know, I get asked that a lot. So I have a big, uh, not a big podcast, but I have a podcast and I get emails all the time from people saying, hey, I don't have a Karamaga school next to me. You know, like, what should I do? And the answer isn't go fly and find a Karamaga school because that's just not realistic for people. The answer is learn a combative system and get confidence. So what I mean by that is if there's a boxing school or a Muay Thai school or a kickboxing school around you, Train, learn combatives, learn how to punch, learn how to kick, learn how to hit, learn how to elbow. Um, that alone will give you the confidence and a lot of the tools you're going to need. And then you can supplement that education with um, self-defense type of education. So you can listen to Krav Maga podcasts that talk about mindset a little bit more. Um, you can go to uh, one of my instructors, Ayal, he has a, a website that has online training, which is video training. So you can go over there and, and learn some gun techniques and stuff like that if you want to. Um, but you have to practice it. You can't just watch a video and then get a gun to your head in real life and assume you're going to be able to do it. So if you train a combative system and then supplement that with some education of self-defense, that's great. There's a lot of books out there. Um, one's called Meditation of Violence. I love that book. It's a great one for it, for like your psychology, uh, psychology of, of self-defense. So for people that can't get their hands on a Krav Maga school, do some sort of a combative system and that will help you a lot. And your students, I know you, you, you told me at least one story a long time ago, but like of the students that have trained under you, are there any incidents that you're able to talk about that they've been able to avoid or, the, or deal with, uh, with the training that they've learned from you? Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of case studies in that respect. Um, but yes, so the, here's the deal. I would say out of the thousands of people we've taught, that a good 5% of them have been in an actual altercation of some sort. Whether like, for example, I had a, a girl who trained with me just for like two months and then her drunk ex-boyfriend broke into her house when she was on the couch and started choking her. And then she broke out of the choke doing one of our defenses, elbowed him in the chin, you know, knocked him out almost. He hit the floor and she ran away and all that stuff. And that's great. Uh, we have a guy that had a gun held up to him and he was able to successfully get out of it. We had a guy who, um, that's just been in regular fights, like uh, altercations. But really, to me, th those are just kind of like the outliers. Like you don't really expect those to happen, and it's great. And we teach law enforcement. And <laughs> let me tell you, this: I used to train this uh, special forces, uh, special unit guy, and um, he would come in every week. And we would do a two-hour private lesson, and every week he would have a story about how he was able to get out of or deescalate or win a violent attack when he was undercover in this big 
drug lord gang, whatever. So it's interesting to see how it, it everybody uses it differently. But the best case study is the people who get out of fights and deescalate and don't even get into a fight. Because that to me is more important than just teaching people how to fight so they can survive a fight. Um, so I've have more stories and people don't even bring them up because they don't think it's important. Uh, but more stories of people saying, Hey, yeah, I was, we were walking and this guy looked at us all weird and he started following us, but you know, I was confident. So I stood tall and then he like ran away like that. Those to me are better than the ones of people attacking them because I don't, sometimes I wonder like when they're being attacked, I'm like, did you instigate that just so you can fight and test out your crop? <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah, there's just, there's, there's hundreds of stories like that, but, um, realistically it's about the ones that don't get into a fight that are more important to me and avoidance is way better. So you, you must be reading my notes right now. Cause that's exactly where I was going to go next with this is like people, when they hear of self-defense, they immediately think of the combat component of it. Right. But yeah. it starts before that. And maybe you can talk a little bit about like situational awareness and de-escalation mm -hmm. and all those steps leading up to the last resort of actually having to fight. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really simple. It's not that much magic to it. It's if you get in a fight, you really have three options. Option one, you're going to go to jail because you hurt somebody and they're going to press charges on you. Option two, you're the one that's hurt and you're in a hospital or in a coffin. And option number three is that you're being sued. That's pretty much the three options you're going to have. Uh, it's, it's not like the movies where you can just punch somebody in a bar and run away. Um, it's, it's just not like that. It, it obviously happens. I get that. But the majority of the time, you're going to get in some bad situation. So there's, a, there's two videos I've watched recently. And video number one was a dude standing on a side of a street and they're they're altercating with each other and they're doing something called the monkey dance and what that is is where there's a little bit of physical contact like maybe like a push and then they get big they try to be big and superior and whatever and they're just kind of in each other's face just cursing each other out and then one guy punches the other guy in the face he hits the ground uh bleeding and the guy that that hit him just starts kicking him in the face and the video is just watching this whole thing happen. And the dude's teeth is falling out. His nose is shattered. Got blood. You couldn't even see his skin anymore. It's just all blood. And people were walking around and like videotaping it and nobody was helping, of course. So you can't rely on people to help. That's, the, that's a lesson from itself. Um, and then the dude gets up and he walks away and he's fine. The video later says that, oh, yeah, they actually checked up on a guy and he's fine. Cool. Video number two was in a restaurant two dudes, this is in the US, two dudes in a restaurant, got in a same monkey dance, big chests bumping, looking at each other, cursing. Little guy punches big guy, big guy falls, hits his head on the bar stool, convulses, starts shaking and dies within three minutes. Yeah. Little guy that was with his family in a restaurant is now in prison for seven years for involuntary manslaughter. The moral of this lesson is that you just don't know what's going to happen when you get in a fight. So you need to avoid it at all cost. Really, if I would say there's two different kinds of people, the people that can avoid anything and the people that are going to get into anything. And if you can be the person that's going to avoid, you should be that person. If someone comes up to you and they're talking smack, cursing you out, that does not give you the right. Well, it kind of does, but you shouldn't want to get up and punch that person in the face. Because if you punch that person in the face, he falls down, hits his head and dies, you're now in jail for seven years. Now, was that ego trip right there worth the jail time? Or you punch him in the face and he hits you back, pulls out a knife and stabs you in the throat. 
is that worth the, <laughs> the hospital time? Or you punch him in the face, he walks away, and six days later, you get served because you broke his nose, now he's suing you. Is that worth it? So really, at all costs, you should be able to avoid the fight. Um, there are two different kinds of situations. We have the, basically, someone is being social, so social aggression, mm-hmm. where they're saying, hey, fuck you, I hate you, they're pushing you, they're slapping you, they're, they're talking bad about you, they're looking at you weird. That's social. They're trying to be above you right now. They're trying to be the king. They're trying to be the, the top dog. Um, they're trying to prove something to themselves and to everybody else around them. I would argue that 99% of those situations you can probably get out of by talking out of it, making jokes. There's a guy that does something called verbal jujitsu. It's really hilarious. I think you sent me that. Yeah, uh, I'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I mean, it, it completely makes sense. Uh, basically, when someone's verbally assaulting you, you can just make a joke out of it and kind of de-escalate the situation, walk away, avoid it altogether. Sometimes you're not going to look very cool. And that's okay. You know, like if you, someone comes up to you and assaults you verbally and you're like, Hey, you know what, man, it's cool. And you just walk away. That's not the cool thing to do sometimes, but I promise you it's made better than standing up, puffing your chest and punching it out. So, um, that's kind of how we teach it. Then there's a social violence. This is when there's no talking involved and they come in and they have a knife and their, their eyes are watering with blood and they're getting ready to kill you. Then obviously that is what we're training for, for fighting. Cause that's when it's, there's no talking involved. It's already started. We're going to take them out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so the distinction there, you said social is one. It's basically you can wiggle your way out and it's not like a life or death, truly life or death situation. But a social is where it's game. It's life or death. This is life or death. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's the worst case. Yeah. So leading up to that. So let's talk about situational awareness because I think this is important. So um, just on average, like take walking down the street, I'm trying to envision the scenarios that are most likely for folks who are listening to this, where they're in a new place. Uh, maybe it's a slightly sketchy, like we were in Morocco in South Africa, uh, mm-hmm. in, in Rabat and it just, um, great place overall, but there were some sketchy areas and I know there's sketchy areas in every city, you know, if you look for them, but you know, finding yourself in a sketchy area, what are the things that you can do to improve your odds? Yeah. So it's really simple. Don't go to a sketchy area. you know what i'm joking but i'm serious so uh when i i mean Bryn and i my girlfriend and i we always try to go on little vacations and i literally find a place i want to go i go check out this crime stats and their current like active um violent activity levels because there's websites for that and then if it's high we don't go it's like it's that simple like i know it sounds kind of cheesy but we literally avoid those as, as, as much as i can and um if you do go to a place that is kind of sketchy, then you have to have your, your code red radar on and that's important. So what I mean by that is you can't be unaware. So let me tell you, I think, oh man, I, can't, I don't remember it, but there's a stat somewhere of a website that talks about all the people that have died from texting. Like yeah. they're on the phone and they get hit by a car. They're on a phone, they step off a cliff or they're on a phone and they get attacked. You have to be aware of that. You have to be, if you're walking around a sketchy place and you're constantly on Facebook texting or on the phone, you're, that's bad. You need to be aware of who's around you. So you have to start thinking about that type of stuff. Okay, am I the person that's going to be standing there on my phone while someone comes up and robs me? Or am I the person that's completely aware of my surroundings not getting robbed? So it's one or the other. Uh, I promise you the people that are aware are not the ones getting robbed. It's the people that aren't aware. Like we said earlier, the ones, the, the, those are people are smart. <laughs> They're not dumb. So 
Um, so number one, get off your phone. Don't, don't look at the map. Don't read while you're walking. You need to be 100% aware of where you're at. If you need to go on your phone, what we do is we actually pull over on the sidewalk almost and kind of put our backs toward the wall and we'll look at something really quick and, and stop. It's not like being super paranoid, like we're like, oh my God. It's just more of being aware that I'm not walking and walking into a bad situation because a lot of times you'll see a group of people that look thuggish and you walk right into them because you're not even looking at them. So yeah. why not stop and walk around them? Um, if you do see a weird sketchy area, there's nothing wrong with going across the street and going to the other store and walking around them and making it um, not so obvious because you don't want to, you don't want to instigate something by you kind of avoiding them obviously, but you can unobviously do things by doing that type of stuff. Sometimes what I do uh, if I'm in a weird situation is I'll pretend like someone's calling me and I'll pick up my phone and that makes me do a rapid change where I'll walk a different direction or whatever. But as long as it's, you're, you're making sure that you're, yeah, you're yeah. the situation without telegraphing weakness. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's not like you walk up to a group of guys, you open your eyes and you start looking around and then you slowly creep left and try to circle them because that's just going to piss them off. <laughs> so it's more about how do you make it not obvious that you're trying to avoid them and avoid them, you know? Um, second things to do, or third, I'd say always have a fake wallet with you. Um, I travel everywhere. I think I have it actually. I don't want to ruffle do things, but I have a little clip wallet that I have three expired debit cards on. They're expired. I have an expired license on it and I have some euros in there, some cash. And I just keep that in my back pocket. And so if someone comes up to rob me, I am no longer in the mindset of, no, 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 you can't have my wallet because it's got my passports and my ID, it's got my credit cards, it's got my cash. I can't give it to you. And then you kind of freak out and then maybe you jump into a situation you shouldn't jump into. Instead, pull out your fake wallet, looks pretty damn real, toss it to them, back up, walk away, get out of there. There's no reason to jump into a knife. You know, you don't, you most likely they're probably packing some sort of weapon. So there's no reason to fight over something so stupid. So I always carry a fake wallet with me every time we go on vacation, every single time. Um, you can't really bring weapons, you know? Yeah, it's, there's places, I've actually researched these rules. I was going to ask you about like things like pepper spray and tasers and whatnot. Um, at least here in Portugal, mace is illegal. You're not allowed to carry pepper spray. Dude, I brought a knife to Israel and I got taken down. <laughs> we were going to the wall, the wailing wall, and I was with my buddy and I had a knife in my pocket and I pulled it out and the army guys just grabbed me. And they threw me to the side and they started searching me. And they're like, you can't have this here. I was like, holy shit, dude. I'm just, a, I'm sorry. I'm a tourist. I'm from America. We do whatever we want. So I'm just not used to this whole thing. And so yeah. um, that was a lesson. Like, so every country is different. Um, in Argentina, when I was there, they were talking about how you can't shoot somebody, even in self-defense, uh, with a larger caliber bullet. That blew my mind. They're like, yeah. yeah, if the guy comes in with a nine millimeter and getting ready to kill your family and you shoot him with a 40 caliber, you go to jail. It's like, what? So it's just like countries, it's all, the, everybody has different laws. I mean, the U.S. has some really weird laws too. You can't hit people when they're running away from you. Like, it's just really odd. But um, yeah, you have to research your local laws. If you're going to do anything like pepper spray or knives or guns or sticks or whatever. I mean, there's some countries that it's illegal to fight back. It is actually illegal to defend yourself that you're not supposed to. So you really want to figure that out. Obviously, that's a bullshit law. Yeah, like if someone's scenario, hurting you, you say, not. I'm going to be a lawbreaker today. So, uh, but I'm just telling you that there are weird laws out there. So you definitely want to research them as much as possible. Yeah, so know the local laws. 
Um, or okay. somebody can create a cool database with all the laws. <laughs> True. <laughs> Business idea. Um, okay, so avoidance, so uh, distance, um, this de-escalation, this idea of verbal jujitsu, and I'll link to that, that video that you mentioned because uh, that's a good one. But now let's assume that it's, it, it's approached the level, you've tried all those things, and combat at this point is inevitable. Uh, you, there, there is no fleeing, you're backed in a corner, there's no exits. Yep. What is, uh, can you talk about first off like the physiological response so people know what to expect in that scenario because your body does weird things yeah. uh, in that scenario. Yeah, so most people freeze. We have uh, all these different kinds of different types of freezes, and, I, and we we won't go into all like the description of all of them because I'll take like a good hour. But um, one of the biggest freezes is that your body has this innate sense of holy shit, this never happened to me before, and I don't know how to navigate it. And so you have this weird freezing moment, and it happens all the time, even in driving and in arguments and stuff like that. But one of the ways to get out of freezes is just to do something is to do usually one or two actions. Now the action doesn't have to be fighting. The action could be anything. It could be taking a step left and take a step back. Boom. You just, your body just recalibrated itself a little bit. And now you can probably get out of your freeze. Uh, obviously the more you train, the more easy it is to get out of your freeze. I always tell people training is not so you don't freeze. It's yeah. so you have less freezing time. <laughs> yeah. So if you're, if you used to freeze for a good five seconds, now you're freezing for one second because uh, it's just it's just natural to freeze when something happens that's unexpected that you're not aware of and you're not pre uh, prepared for you're gonna react you're gonna freeze a little bit and that's okay as long as you freeze and then you can get out of the freeze that's what's important um, another thing that's really important to understand is that most people that I train all people that I train cause I actually kick people out that I don't like when I say don't like what I mean is uh, they aren't a right fit for learning this type of a system because they're just not nice people for some reason. And I'm assuming your clientele is the same way, but we're all nice people. So we don't naturally want to hurt somebody. And what happens is when you're attacked, that comes out a little bit because we're so socially um, adapted to that. We, when we're in school, we're not allowed to pinch or hit kids because we get in trouble. We're not allowed to push. Um, we get really reprimanded when we have any type of violence or action like that. And especially in like our culture nowadays, there's like zero violence in anything. Even they pretty much don't even give you aggressiveness in sports anymore. So what that does is that when you get into a fight, when someone attacks you, that training that you've had your whole life to not hurt somebody comes out. Yep. And you don't want to hurt them, even if they're a bad guy. It's the weirdest thing. It's happened to me. It's happened to people I know um, where all of a sudden you're like, no, nah, don't like you, you keep trying to push it away. Like it's good. Like, go, like, don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. But it's already happened. You got to get over that. Um, it's called a social freeze. And we have to figure we have, as long as you're aware of that, you're better off. Um, so most of the time, people's first punch is 50% power. And there's a pause behind it. Kind of like when people shoot. So they'll punch them, boom, and then they'll kind of freeze and look like, what did I just do? Are you okay? Did something just happen? Like, yeah. And the, the, the power of the punch is usually a lot less because of that social freeze that I don't really want to hurt them. So I'm just kind of like, boop, like plugging a hole a little bit. When in reality, if you went 100% on that first punch, you'd probably solve the whole problem right there. But a lot of people don't do that. So uh, training helps you get out of that as much as possible. And also just mindset, just knowing that it's going to happen may, if someone's approaching you and you go, okay, you know what? I know that I shouldn't hurt them, but I'm going to do it. If you just kind of make that distinction in your head, uh, that's better. 
Now, that's physiological. The answer to the question of what happens when someone actually does approach you and what do you do with, and obviously without training from me for a year or two, um, it's super simple. Catastrophic damage. That's it. That's the answer. That's the magic sauce. If you can hurt them to a point to where you break a system in their body, they'll shut down. What I mean by this is sometimes punching somebody in the face isn't the answer because that's going to maybe hurt, but the adrenaline maybe not hurt. I've been punched in the face before. I didn't, I didn't feel it until the next day. Um, the point is, is that if you can break somebody, break something, break a kneecap, break an elbow, break a trachea, break a nose, break a ball, pop one of them, pop the other one, who knows? If you can hurt them, that recircuits their brain to deal with the catastrophic damage. Does that yep. make sense? Yep. Yeah, well, you call it, I think you call it take out the computer, right? Like you're, yeah, it's the same, same concept. If you uh, the take out the computer is 100% correct. That's kind of like the mind. This is kind of a, a tertiary, like a different, it's the same concept, but it could happen other places too. So if I break the elbow, it's obviously not the brain, but the brain is linked to the nerves in the elbow. And when I break the nerve that's in the elbow because I broke it, then the brain shuts down. So they're, 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 they're inherent, like you're saying the body is wired to like preserve itself. And so yep. at that point, whatever aggressiveness, you know, they intend to do you harm, but you've now just basically reprogrammed and prioritized, oh shit, I'm in trouble. Yes. That takes priority over me trying to do you harm. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. So if you can hurt them to the point to where you damage them, you're going you're gonna to win that fight. I mean, think about it. If someone's getting ready to choke you or rape you or whatever, and you just kick out their kneecap and break it and their knee turns opposite way. It's not supposed to, they're not chasing you. They're not trying to fight you anymore. They're on their knee crying and yelling for, for help. So yeah. uh, the goal is to turn it around on them and to be unrelenting. And we're talking about, don't forget, we're talking about pure self-defense life or death situations right now. We're talking about the asocial violence, not bar fighting. We're talking about this person is going to kill you. Yeah. You have to be unrelentless to them just nonstop unstoppable force of pain and damage to them. And that will get them to retreat. How does one know when it crosses that threshold? I mean, I guess, is this something that it becomes obviously clear when it, it moves from a, I can give them my wallet. I can get out of here. Oh crap. I've given them my wallet and they're still coming after me. There's like a, a switch that flips, right? Where it goes to, I would hope so. I mean, the thing is with asocial violence is a lot of times you don't even know it's coming. I mean, this yeah. person's already raged and blood in the eyes and getting ready to come after you. Uh, sometimes the scariest people are the quiet ones, the ones you don't even notice are there. And all of a sudden it's too late and they're already stabbing you three times in the stomach. And then you got to turn on and start fighting them as long as your computer still works, computer, yeah. your brain. Yeah. Um, there, but then there are, there's also stages too. So we're talking about maybe social violence turning into asocial violence. So maybe someone asking for your wallet and then wanting to kill you. And that is going to be, I, was, I would say, it's going to be everybody's going to be a little different on their boundaries. So what I teach people is to create boundaries as, as soon as possible. For example, let's talk about the give me your wallet situation. I've already gone through this a hundred times in my head. Okay, we get approached. Someone wants my wallet. My first response is no. But if they're like, no, no, give me a fucking wallet. They pull out a knife. They're, they're at a good distance. Okay, okay. This guy's going to want something. So I got to do something. Otherwise, we're going to go hand in hand and I might get stabbed. I might kill him. He might kill my girlfriend. You know, who knows what's going to happen? So I prefer not to fight like we talked about earlier. So I'll pull out my wallet and I'm talking about I'm in the home right now. So I'm not at uh, 
I'm not in a different country with my fake wallet. I'll pull out the cash and I'll give it to him. It's like, no, fuck you. I want to have, give me your, give me your wallet. Okay. I'll pull out my credit cards. I'll give it to him. Why else would he want the leather on my wallet? If he still says I want your wallet. Okay. I'll pull out my ID card and I'll give it to him. Now, if he wants my ID card, now we have a different issue. So my ID is my personal trigger. If everything else is failing because my ID has my address on it. So if he likes what's in my wallet, my credit cards, he likes the, the limit on my credit card. He likes the cash I just gave him. He may not now, if he wants my debit card or my ID card, he now knows where I live and where he can find more of what was in my wallet. So to, and I have people at my house that I love, so I don't want him to be there. So that's kind of my tipping point. Now, if he wants my ID card, now I'm gonna have to talk him out. Like, Hey man, you don't need it. It's cool. I need this to do something, blah, blah, blah. And if he really gets persistent and starts to approach me, now we know, okay, this is now turning into a violent, asocial situation because obviously he wants more than just money. Um, then you need to start thinking about attack mode. Now, other types of barriers and boundaries are good too of distance. So what I like to teach people is like, hey, what I do sometimes when someone's new is I walk up to them and I, talk, I get really close and I just talk to them just casually, like not being threatening. And you can see they get a little uncomfortable. And then I point out, hey, you're uncomfortable. You just, that's your boundary, right? Like now you know that's your boundary. Now, how far away do you need to get from me, someone you don't really know, to feel comfortable? And they kind of back up and they're a good, like a little bit more than arm distance away. I'm like, great. There's your boundary. If someone crosses that boundary, you turn on to attack mode. No matter what. If, even if it's social aggression, if they cross that boundary, you no longer have the safety in your head that you're going to survive. You may need to turn on attack mode. Attack mode meaning maybe not kill them, but maybe throw that first big kick to the groin and back away. Maybe do some sort of a push and back away. The goal is to establish something to where if you establish it ahead of time, when it happens, you can trigger and go. Rather than in the moment, someone's approaching you and you don't know what your boundary is. And then your brain starts going, what's my boundary? Like, oh my God, they're getting close to me. And then you don't really know what to do. And then it's too late. Yeah, because you're you're trying to problem solve in your head when you should just already have these preset boundaries, and that's going to help a lot too. Yeah, well, there's a phrase I've heard. It says uh, you're not going to rise to the level of your most sophisticated training. You're going to fall to the level of like your most basic training that you've just yeah. you know internalized from yeah. doing over and over again. Totally. Yep. Okay. Well, so. Uh, assuming that, that whoever's listening right now is into this and they recognize the importance of this stuff and they want to, you know, start learning some of this and do what they can. What's the best way for someone to get started? Is it, it like look up their local Krav Maga gym? Yeah. So if they're, if they're looking for self-defense and then to get some confidence and learn some of the stuff we're talking about, um, I would say first thing, look up a Krav Maga school, see where they're certified, you know, make sure they're not just some bogus place. And that's hard to do sometimes too. But look up some Krav schools. If there's none around, the next best thing is some combative type of schools. Combatives are punches and kicks and elbows. So joining a boxing club is great. Um, kickboxing, like I mean like real kickboxing, not like cardio kickboxing is great. Uh, Muay Thai is even better because it's the art of eight limbs. It's elbows and knees and it's, it's pretty gnarly. Um, if you can't find any of that combative systems, then maybe the next best thing would be something like jujitsu, like Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Um, which is a very good system. I like it a lot. It's not self-defense based though. Like their first thing is take someone to the ground and lock them up. Our first thing is to not take anybody to the ground, put them on the ground and get away from them. So it's very conflicting theories and ideology, 
but it's still a hands-on system and hands-on sport that can get you some confidence. Um, but that's why to me, that's fourth down the line. Um, and then while doing that, supplementing some, uh, self-defense mindset training. So, um, going to seminars, if you can find some seminars that are local, uh, reading some books or, uh, taking some online courses like the Max Krav Maga Global one. Um, I have a podcast that we talk about this mental stuff all the time. You can listen to that's free. Um, you can kind of get your, your head in the game around that too. Cause if you can get the tool sets, the tools of fighting and marry that to the mindset, then you're going to be okay. You know, like, you're going to be okay. Obviously you won't know how to defend a gun to your head. Uh, you need the actual hands-on training for that. But for the most part, you're probably going to be okay. Cool. Well, and the other thing is like, to me, it's also a heck of a workout. Like if you want to just oh, yeah. view it purely from the, like I could go do CrossFit or I could go do Krav. Krav is in, in my opinion, even harder than CrossFit, like from having done both because mm -hmm. you're just going, going, going for an hour, just all out. Um, but if you just look at it purely from uh, this is exercise with this beneficial byproduct of, oh, yeah, it also teaches you this skill that might someday save your life, too. Yeah. Um, whatever it takes to, to you know, motivate you to go do yeah, it. Yeah, I would say like 80% of people that come in are that. They're like, I'm bored at the gym. This is just really good exercise. And also, I learned self-defense. For me, yeah. it kind of pisses me off a little bit because I'm like, dude, you should be here to learn self-defense. And as a bonus, you're getting exercise. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just not that case. Unfortunately, uh, the way we are around here, people just want to exercise to look better. But um, that's okay. I'm glad to train them because once they, the best part is I love it when people come in. Like I guess people just came in recently that were, didn't really want to be there. They're just kind of there to be there. They want to work out, you know, do something fun. And all of a sudden it just, it turns. Like you can see their brain like, oh, I want more. I want to, I want more of this. Like how do I get more? And so now I'm like, oh, okay, good. Like you've, <laughs> You drink the, you know, you're in now. <laughs> you get yeah. it. You get the the sugar coating was the yeah. exercise. I just got him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Totally. Where can people find your podcast, Joey? Uh, just type in Krav Maga podcast anywhere. Uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, um, any podcast stream. Krav Maga podcast. First thing that comes yep, up. It comes up on top. We're, we're number one. So for the Krav Maga stuff. So um, you'll find it. It's, it's easy to find. Cool. And if you are listening and you happen to be in the Newport Beach area, go to Joey's studio for, for heaven's sake. It's, he's got the, the best crop studio in California. In my opinion. I heard Nomad, Nomads love Newport Beach. It's just the, <laughs> it's not at all where you go, probably, when you're being a nomad. <laughs> no, well, hopefully there's some prospective nomads. Maybe there's one. Who knows? Maybe we get one person who's... Yeah, who's totally. As long as... I, I mean, the goal... Like, we talked about this earlier. The, the whole point of this podcast wasn't to get me members it was to hopefully put in the minds of people and plant a seed that you don't have to be big or small or strong or weak it doesn't matter as long as you understand self-defense and your awareness goes up and you can learn how to get your confidence to go up and if the worst case scenario happens you can learn how to do some catastrophic damage you know you're good you're set you don't need that much more than that and that's what we teach that's all we do is we teach people how to get out of these shitty situations, how to deliver damage to the person and how to avoid things. Um, obviously we have a big curriculum that we teach gun to the head and five different options and kidnappings and carjacking seminar. Like I get it and that's all fun and it's important, but you don't have to have that to at least stand taller, you know, and just by standing taller, you don't get attacked. We already did our jobs. We already saved someone's life. So that's the whole point of this. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to give you just a couple more questions. These are questions I ask every guest. Uh, and I know you're like a Tim Ferriss fan. 
what are uh, you know any resources that you read regularly? You mentioned a couple of like books on violence and whatnot. Like, what are uh, do you have any like sites or podcasts or anything that you listen to or read on a regular basis? Uh, I do, but are you talking about pertaining to self-defense? I actually know anything, business or just personal, whatever source that you happen to read on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big fan of books. Sean and I uh, exchange book recommendations all the time. Um, right now, I would say my biggest thing is I'm trying to learn more about uh, the connection between your body and your physicality to your business, to your mindset and to your relationships. So I'm starting to get into more of, uh, there's this guy uh, named Garrett J. White. He does this thing called the, the warrior movement or wake up warrior. And they, they dive really deep into these things. So every day I've been learning um, some stuff from them, different stuff about the body, different stuff about the mind, different stuff about the physical aspect of it and relationships and um, how once you master each, each section of these things, your overall game elevates naturally so that's kind of in my daily thing right now so if, if you're a guy it's not as pertaining to women it's more of a you know what i take that back they just be, they just developed a women's program but uh if you're a guy out there that's kind of looking for that type of idea i'd definitely check it out it's called warrior book cool and i will again i'll link to that in the show notes um you were before we were chatting about the seth godin book you want to mention what you took from that one yeah tribes um i just read that a uh, couple days ago Basically, this book is about, it's actually an older book and he was a way ahead of his time. But uh, now when I reread it, I was like, oh my God, I get what he's saying. Um, basically, he's talking about not building a product or a service, but turning that into a movement. And a, he calls it a tribe. A tribe is a movement, a group of people that are all going to one common area. And so I've been loving that book because he talks about creating a mission of where you are currently and where you want to bring and where you want everybody to go and how you can bring people on onto that movement. And so for Krav, we're trying to create a movement of self-defense and confidence. Like how do we get people that aren't confident to become confident, even at a larger scale of just in the school. So that's what we've been working on this, this last month and a half, two months. Yeah. It sounds like I definitely need to pick that up. Uh, like you said, for, for this podcast and for the, the whole movement around the nomadic stuff. Is, well, I mean, the whole nomad experience is a movement. I mean, people are, there's a reason why people are joining Nomad prep. There's a reason why people are joining. Uh, what's the one you went on for the year? The remote uh, year. Remote year. They're joining it to be in a movement with people. Yeah. Otherwise, they just fucking be nomading by themselves. <laughs> so, of course, you have those people that nomad by themselves. Like, you're nomading by yourself, but yet you're still very driven and very connected to the community of remote year. So um, that, that's a movement. They're creating a movement of people that want to, that are set entry, that want to become more out there and you know experience more of life so that's a whole movement in itself so just by taking the concepts and tribes and putting it into nomad prep i think you'd i mean you already have a movement so why not just put fire on that thing yeah awesome all right well joey we've taken up enough of your time man i can't say thanks enough for, uh joey Karam. uh it's nomad podcast if you're no, sorry krav maga podcast if you search <laughs> krav maga, you're watching the nomad podcast it's krav maga podcast on itunes or any of the major uh sites to find his podcast thanks cool. again no problem man thanks for having me all right cheers
Okay, that was my conversation with Joey. I hope you found it useful. As you can see, Joey is very knowledgeable on the subject of violence and conflict, um, and yet he's also very down-to-earth and very approachable. So if you have a question for Joey uh, or you need clarification on something, you can leave a written comment under his episode on Nomad Podcast. Um, you can also leave a video comment, and he can respond to you. So we're now syndicated via most major pla uh, podcasting platforms. It's exciting. Uh, so we're now carried by Apple and Google and a number of others. So you can get downloadable audio for the latest episodes purely by subscribing via your favorite platform. Uh, just go to nomadpodcast.com and you'll see in the header link there, there's a subscribe button. Um, or you can also add your email in the footer and get, uh, be the first to know about new episodes by getting an email from us. So if you're considering doing a nomadic travel program, you can save up to $300 off select programs simply by applying via our discounts page. You'll find that link in the footer of our site under program discounts or simply go to nomadpodcast.com slash discounts to apply for any of the available programs. Note, if you do apply directly to the program itself, it does invalidate your opportunity to get this discount. Uh, so make sure you apply via the form on our site. Nomad Podcast is supported in part by Nomad Prep, an online academy for aspiring digital nomads to help you put your preparation efforts on rails. Get the first four days of this two-week program completely free, and this program is by yours truly, uh, by going to nomadprep.com podcast. Nomad Prep, take your job on the road and take on the world. Lastly, I would love to know what topics you want to hear about and what guests you want to see me bring on future episodes. Uh, you can send me an email to admin at nomadpodcast.com. That will go to me. Um, up next, on the next episode, we're going to be talking with one of the co-founders of Wi-Fi Tribe. Uh, this is a travel program that is an a la carte style. It caters to uh, folks who want to be able to bounce around and not commit to a full year of travel. Um, so we'll be talking to Diego of Wi-Fi Tribe next um, and other interviews coming down the pipe. We're talking to uh, more domain experts like Joey. Uh, so in areas that I think they're important, uh, I, I'm going to drive this, but um, things to me, things like maintaining your health and wellness on the road. So exercise experts, nutrition experts, um, best way to find high quality remote friendly work. Uh, whether you are freelance or if you're looking for full-time employment while on the road, uh, we'll be talking to some experts in that regard. Um, also, sleep hacks you can uh, use to ensure that you're able to sleep when your bed is constantly changing every week. Uh, I personally have grappled with sleep, so that is a topic that is near and dear to me, and we're going to be talking to uh, some experts on that. So for these tips and more, tune into the next episode of Nomad Podcast. Until next time, thank you for listening. It's a big world out there. Uh, get out there and explore it, and I will see you on the road. Nomad. Nomad.